In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was the governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Verse 15 When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told uh, told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they have uh, sorry, they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. So let me pray for Nick before he comes up to uh, explain the passage to us. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we pray that uh, you'll be with Nick as he explains the passage. Father, we pray that he'll be clear and, uh, and faithful. Father, we pray that uh, for us that our hearts and our ears be opened and uh, soften to listen to uh, the words of yours, Lord. Pray all this in your son's precious name. Amen. Thank you, Mikit. So can, can we uh, have peace? Just now in the discussion questions, I, I I think you might have noticed that you know, it's, peace is actually very, very difficult. Everyone has a different, uh, we have a different opinion, we have different sides, we have different interests. Peace is all very difficult. But we all love peace. We all love peace. We all like it when everyone is nice to one another. Uh, we like it when no one gets hurt. But it's really, really tough. This year, we were all shocked by uh, the violence of ISIS. And many, they attacked many people in Iraq and in Syria. They even managed to attack people in Paris. So it's very difficult to get peace in the world. And what about Singapore? We should, right? If you, I mean, think about it. It's on the Singapore flag. You know, there are five stars. You know five stars, right? There are five stars. Yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah, the five, one of those, one of those five stars represents peace. So surely we should have peace in Singapore. Yeah, I think Eri- maybe Erica wouldn't know, cause... Oh, you know, okay. Good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Peace and something and something and something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we don't have peace in Singapore. We don't. See, one of the big problems that came up uh, this year is uh, bullying in schools. So schools are supposed to be a place where uh, people learn. Uh, it's a safe environment where people, where, where students, where young students uh, grow in the understanding of various subjects. But a few months ago, uh, someone filmed a bully hitting hitting the heads of their cla- of his classmates. I mean, yeah, so he went on hit the person and he went to hit another person. And I think some of you will remember that case. So I, I watched it either on Facebook or on the news website. So it's really, it was really horrible when I saw it. It's really horrible to see such bullying. So there's no peace in, in uh, school. What about peace at home? A domestic violence has increased three times in the past 10 years. And the, the area, the relationship that where this abuse grow, grew the most is between the relationship between the husband and the wife. And this is supposed to be uh, the bedrock, the foundation of the family. And, and they can't even get along. There's no peace. Can we have true peace? In our passage today, is the first ever Christmas. The angels sang about peace. They sang about peace on earth. But are they... Are they like smoking us or something? How do we get this peace this Christmas? And just just now we sang this song. Uh, it says, "Hung the herald angels sing, a glory to the newborn King, and peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled." How can we get this peace? Now this song says we can get this peace through the newborn King, through Jesus. How do we get this peace through Jesus? And what kind of peace is going on? What, what, is, what peace uh, is God talking about here? Now let's look at today's passage to find out. Let's look at verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree uh, that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. Everyone went to their own town to register. <coughs> so here it's uh, 4 BC. The Romans ruled over Israel. So if you're wondering whether this is uh, real or is a fake account, the writer in Luke gives you the historical setting, like what's going on uh, politically, what's going on in the background. So he tells us that Caesar Augustus is emperor and Quirinus uh, was the governor. And so I went to Google Caesar Augustus and this is what I found. Yeah, okay, so he, I guess he looks like that. Yeah, so this is a picture of his statue. So he's a real person. Hey, but okay, no, I this is he. I mean, I don't think he's a stone person, but he it's just a, a statue of him. The historians tell us that while uh, Caesar Augustus was emperor, there was peace and there was stability in the whole Roman Empire. So it's uh, something like we have in Singapore. It's a lot of peace, a lot of stability in Singapore. So this this Caesar, this king of the empire, he ordered a census. Uh, he ordered a uh, a census to kind of find out how many people lived in each area of his of his vast empire. So, so this will help with 
to help the help the government figure out how much to tax the different areas. So if there are more people here, then they knew uh, increase the tax. So everyone in the whole Roman Empire was affected by this census. There's a lot of people. But Luke focuses on one couple of all these many people. So let me read from verse 4. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the, to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, was pledged to be, to be married to him, and was expecting a child. So what do we see in these few verses? We see that Joseph is a descendant of someone called David. So this Joseph and Mary had had to go to their ancestors' hometown, to David's hometown, Bethlehem, to register uh, register for this census. So let's spend some time thinking about who this David is. In Israel's history, uh, God promised David uh, that one of his descendants would be a great king. uh, David was a king, and God promised David that one of his descendants will be an even greater king than, than he is. So this is what God said to David. It says, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I'll raise up your own offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father, he shall be to me a son. So what do we see here? We see God making a promise. So God promised David that his offspring will succeed David as a king. But this king, uh, will, this king will be a different king from what David is going to be like. God promised that he will establish his, this king's kingdom forever. So it means this king will be a great and powerful king. This king will rule over God's people forever. Hey, now, I want to start giving you some hints of where, where we are going today. It's no coincidence. Cannot be, it cannot be just pure luck that Caesar Augustus ordered the census while Mary was pregnant. You see, the baby Jesus had to be born in Bethlehem. The baby Jesus had to be born in David's hometown. So this baby is going to be the one from David's line. This, this is the one that God said is going to be king forever. We will see that a lot, a lot more in the next few verses. Oh, when, when Joseph and Mary reached Bethlehem, uh, there wasn't any proper room for them. In verse 6, let me read it for you. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to a firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So when uh, Mary gave birth to a son, he, he wrapped, uh, she wrapped him in a cloth, in cloth and placed him in a major. Okay, so this is a major isn't something that we we use a lot today. A major is uh, a donkey or a goat's uh, dinner bowl. So if you are in those days, you expect to find hay there. So this is a, a picture of, of it. Yeah. It looks something like that. Yeah. But on this very first Christmas. 
Jesus was placed in a manger. You don't you didn't find hay, you found Jesus. He wasn't Jesus wasn't born in the hospital's maternity ward. He was born and placed here. So it's as if this baby uh, was born in the Singapore Zoo, and after he was born in the Singapore Zoo, he was placed in the uh, goat's enclosure uh, in their food bowl. Remember, it's hot, smelly, uh, and noisy. So for this baby, there wasn't even a simple baby caught. No. Imagine this great king, this great descendant of David, sleeping in that. This is no way to treat a king. This king should be given uh, the, the best treatment possible. So this king should be given priority in the presidential maternity suite in, let's say, Mount Elizabeth of, of that day. See, this being born in this is far too humble for, for King Jesus. But the story continues. So, so far, we haven't seen anything really spectacular. We just see a family with very, very good bloodline having a baby in very humble circumstances. Yeah, what's the, but what's the big deal for this baby to be born this way? There has to be some reason. And that's the reason that we see from verse 8 onwards. You see, while, while all this was going on uh, in, uh, with, the, with the major, with the birth, Something else was going on outside the town. Let me read from verse 8. <clears throat> and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And so near Bethlehem, we see uh, some shepherds uh, watching their sheep, uh, thinking it would be a routine night shift uh, of just watching sheep and seeing sheep and maybe the stars and all that. When suddenly saw something different. Suddenly, he saw an angel. His angel said to them in verse 10, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. So angel comes, angel gives good news. Good news. Why is this news? This news is that a baby has been born. Oh, this, this is good news that gives great joy to all people. All people. So not just the shepherds. Not just the people living those days. But all people of all time. Everyone, including you and I. All of us. What's so good about this baby? Shouldn't he be just good news for his parents and for their friends? Okay, let me give you an example. Last year, last February, uh, Collie and I had Ruel. Oh, so it's about 10 months already. That's <laughs> why so I remember how Collie carried him for the first time. I remember we were very, we were very, very happy when Ruel came along. Yeah, I was quite scared to carry him actually. Yeah, so Collie had to carry him first. All, and all of you uh, were very excited to uh, meet Ruel. All our friends were very excited. And I, I, and for some of you, all of some of you, you were all very excited uh, to have someone's nose to poke. <laughs> but to some uh, random person off the streets, 
Ruel actually makes no difference. Yeah, Ruel will just be another SG50 baby, another baby uh, to fight with Premier One spaces. But thankfully, uh, Keith and I don't live in the same estate, so I won't be fighting with his his kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you see, Ruel isn't good news for everyone. But this baby in the passage is different. This baby in the passage is good news for all people of all time, not just his parents. This baby is good news for you. How is this baby good news? This baby is good news uh, in what he will be, what he will grow up to be. I'll just focus on one, one thing the angel said. So this, this is what I'll be focusing on. He says, Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. A savior. So this baby, Jesus, is not just a king. He's a savior. So this, that means this child, this baby, this Jesus will save people. Save people of, of all time, even people today. Well, what do we need saving for? Aren't we doing okay? Are we really in danger of anything? But to help us with that question, uh, let's look at another passage. Okay, so it will be on the slide. Yeah. So John uh, chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, tells us what this child saves us from. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. So the child the child from Luke chapter two is here is God's son. So verse sixteen here tells us that this child, God's son, will give us uh, eternal life. So whoever believes in God's Son will have eternal life. Whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. So think about this uh, with me for a, mom- for a moment. What if what will happen if this king doesn't save me? What happens if Jesus doesn't save me? Are there severe consequences? Oh yes, there are. So this passage says that without this child you will face God's judgment. That's what verse 18 says. Whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed. God is right to condemn people. And why is that? Because all of us have rebelled against God. We don't want God uh, to have anything to do with our lives. And God will judge. God's judgment will be terrifying. God's judgment will be will be terrifying. It will be horrible. And I think that's why, if you look back at Luke uh, chapter 2, verse 9, it says that shepherds were terrified of the angels. It says the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So the angel here represents the Lord's angel. So this means that this angel represents God. Like all of humanity, these shepherds have rebelled against God. 
So when the shepherds see God's angel, when they see God's representative, they see their own judgment. Friends, God's judgment will happen one day. One day all of us will stand before God. And what will God do? Well, God will go through each moment of your life. As if he managed to stand beside you and film each moment of your life. He will show you every wrong thing that you did. And he will punish you for all those wrong things. What is God's punishment? God's punishment for our sins, for rebellion, is to burn in hell. So you see, friends, we desperately need a savior. We desperately need someone to get us out of this situation. But you, you, you might still ask, why do I need a savior? I, I didn't commit any crime. I mean, I didn't kill anyone. I didn't murder anyone. Friends, you and I have all sinned against God. The way that we do it is by not recognizing him as God. So for some of us, it means that we don't know this God and we don't give him the honor that he deserves. For others, it means that we know of this God, but we don't give him the honor he deserves. See, this John chapter 3, verse 18 tells us that no matter how good you are, no matter how upright you are, no matter how much how much money you give to the poor, no matter how much how many uh, tissues you buy from from people, if you don't honor God, you stand condemned. So is there any solution to this? Is there any way out? But from our perspective, there's no way out. There's no way we can fix the problem ourselves. There's no way we can help ourselves to get out of God's judgment. There's no way out. The only way out is for us to for us to follow God's way. See, that's why God sent His Son to save us. So that we don't have to face God's judgment. Then we can have eternal life. All we need to do is to believe in King Jesus to save us. Now let me tell you about someone called Horatio Spafford. So he used to be a wealthy lawyer, but he went through a really miserable, miserable time in his life. So all bad things kept happening to him. His only son died from scarlet fever. And one year, one year after that happened, he lost many properties in the in the in the Great Chicago Fire. So there's a fire. He lost a lot of properties, a lot of factories. And two years after that fire. It was an economic downturn, and all his businesses were hit. So if you think that that was all, well, there was worse to come. So at this point, he was feeling really depressed. So he booked a cruise for a holiday for his family, his wife and his daughters. But when it was time to leave, uh, he had to stay back to work a little bit more. So he sent his family off first, uh, thinking that he will um, to meet them later. Unfortunately, Something happened. The cruise that his family was on hit another ship, and the sh- and the cruise sunk. Spafford's four daughters died. So only his wife survived from the family, 
So his wife survived and sent the telegram back home. And he said, she said, saved alone. How did Spafford react? Spafford was certainly depressed. Everything went badly. He lost property, lost businesses, lost even his children. Anyone would be depressed. After this happened, Spafford went near the spot to where his daughters drowned, to where the, the boat sunk. So as he was, as he was there, he wrote these words. So these words tell us a little bit of what's going on in his mind. Okay, so it's, it's these words. So when peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roar, wherever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. So this is uh, in old English. I just read to you a part, part of this, uh, part of what he wrote that day. So this, what this means is, whether, no, no matter what comes his way, whether it's peaceful, whether it's sorrowful, whatever happens, it is well with his soul because God has saved him. No matter what happens to him, his soul is safe because God saved him. Friends, it's the same for you. If Jesus saves you, and no matter what happens, it is well with your soul. Your soul is safe. Is it well with your soul today? Have you accepted Jesus as your Savior? If you haven't, please do this as soon as you can. But perhaps even stop listening to what I say for the, from, from this moment on and I'll pray to God. Uh, I spend the rest of the time praying to God. Well, let's continue with the passage. Let's think back about uh, what else uh, the angels said about this baby. So it says, angels said that this baby is a savior. The savior is a super huge claim for a baby. Right? So it's as if uh, before, before this baby was born, uh, people knew that he's going to become some, someone really important. Now imagine someone going up to Keith's to Keith and Sarah, well, and and tell them, Keith, your child is going to be like, the president of Singapore. Oh, oh. I mean, I mean, Keith will like laugh at me, right, or something. Yeah, they won't believe me because no one will know what babies will grow up to be. No one will know what what, baby, what babies will grow up to to uh, become. But how do we know? So how do we know what this baby? How do we know what this angel says is true? He's making quite a big claim for a baby that this baby will be a savior. Well, we know because the the angel gives a sign. Let's look at Luke chapter two, uh, from verse twelve. Verse twelve says, "This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger." So this is a sign. It says, you will find this king, savior of the world, in a manger. This is not where you find a royal baby. You'll find him in a manger. So this is a sign that the angel, to pr- the angel gives to prove everything he has said about this baby. And that's what we saw, right? The baby was in the manger. 
So we just heard one angel give big news, great news. Next, we'll hear angels giving super big news. Super great news. So verse 13 says, Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So glory to God. Glory to God. God is God alone will, uh, will be praised for what this baby will become. But not his heavenly, uh, earthly parents, Mary and Joseph. Not for how they send him to send Jesus to the best tuition center or something. Well, no. Up to, up to this point of, of the story, you, we see God in the background. God in the background bringing the, the baby to the city of David to be born. And God made sure that there was not enough room for the baby. So the baby had to be uh, born, and they had to go into the manger. And he, and he didn't just stop there. He even sent his angels to tell people about this baby. So far, none of us can claim any credit. So far, it's all God. Glory to God. That's the first line of what the angels sang. Now this is the second line. Angels also sang, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. So this baby will bring peace on earth. Peace to you and I. This peace isn't a mere feeling of peace when there's no peace. It's like, so this peace is not a feeling, but it's a real, tangible peace. Let me give you an example. Uh, in South Korea, uh, a lot of people feel peaceful, right? That's where you get uh, Running Man and all that kind of stuff. I, I I watch Superman now and then. And I really enjoy it. You know, with the triplets. Yeah, yeah. So it's really, really good. Yeah. So, uh, so there's a K-pop and all that. So it, South Korea feels like a really peaceful place. But South Korea is still at war. South Korea is still at war with North Korea. So they were fighting in the past, but they haven't agreed to come back uh, to be at peace. So it means they're still at war, they're still fighting. So even though the people in South Korea feel peaceful, South Korea is still at war with North Korea. The South Korea can only have peace with North Korea if both sides agree to have peace. The peace in our passage is a real kind of peace. It's not a feeling of peace. This peace is peace with God. Peace with God. This is the peace that only Jesus the Savior can bring. And this is the peace that we desperately, desperately need to avoid God's judgment. So what we see here is people can only get this peace with God through Jesus. This means that before Jesus, without Jesus, you don't have this peace. You have no peace with God. It's without this, without Jesus, you are at war with God. You are God's enemies. That's the bad news. That, so because you are, you are at war with God, God sent Jesus to make peace between you and Him. This peace is for everyone. It's not just for people in those days. It's for you today, as long as you believe. So with Jesus, you can be saved. With Jesus, you can have this real peace with God. Without Jesus, there's only judgment. But with this Savior, 
Jesus, God can forgive you of your sins. Then you can have peace with God. So friends, what is your response to King Jesus? Jesus gives real peace. Peace. Better than the peace that we have in Singapore. Better than the kind of feeling of peace. It's real peace. Peace with God. With our judgment taken away. No more at war with God. No more enemies with God. This message of peace is so very important that you can't simply just ignore it. The wrong response is to ignore this King and Saviour, Jesus. If you do that, if you ignore Him, there is no peace. So what can we do from hearing today's message? Well, let's think about what we can learn from the shepherd's response. What we see in the rest of the, of the account is the shepherds heard the news from the angels and they went to, they didn't just say, okay, angels, I believe you. They, 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 that's not what they did. After they heard the news, they went to find out for themselves whether what the angels said was true. So like the angel, like the shepherds, you too, maybe need, you too need to find out more about this king and savior. How to find out more? Uh, you can ask me any questions you have in the Q&A or after, after the meeting today. Or you can meet up to go through a, a course called Christianity Explored where uh, we, we will explore what Christianity is and for you to make, make up your decision whether it's real or not. See if it's true. Explore. Or don't, you don't have to become a Christian after these, uh, these seven weeks. But what I want to encourage you is to find out for yourself. Don't be close-minded about it. Find out for yourself. And that's not all. There's another response that we can learn from the, from the shepherds. See, after going to see the baby Jesus, uh, they saw that they found, the, the shepherds found that the angel was right. The, the angel was right about, about how the king was in the major. And the, that helped them believe the rest of the angel's message. And they praised God. So like the, like the shepherds at the end of the account, maybe you are at a point where you want to be, that you are convinced that Jesus is real and that you want this peace for yourself. You want Jesus to save you and you want Jesus to be your king. Oh, if you want this peace, if you want Jesus to save you uh, and be your king, uh, what should you do? Just believe. Just believe. Just believe that God, that God sent Jesus to be your king, to, to give you peace with God. Believe that Jesus came to save you. And if that's you today, uh, what I'll do is we spend some time uh, praying. So if that's you, you can join me silently uh, with, with, this, with the prayer that I'm going to pray. Let us pray. Dear God, I know I am not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of peace and eternal life. I am guilty of sinning against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus to save me that I may be forgiven. Please forgive me and change me that I may live 
with Jesus as my King. Amen.